Come on, come on, you can be seated. Listen, I just want to brag on you guys. We pray for you guys all the time um, because we love you in Tampa. When we left, my wife and I, who's here, 28 years. Can we hand it to my wife for putting up with me for 28 years? When we left, um, when we left Tampa, it was uh, right, uh, right in the mid-80s and not a cloud in the sky. So just letting you know I am God's favorite. But we pray for you all the time uh, because uh, the Fry family and, of course, everyone who's part of the family now is just, man, they're they so good. They're so good to us. They're uh, such great friends uh, to us. We love them. You have one of the strongest, healthiest, godly leaders that you can have in this country for God's church. Can I get an amen for your pastor, Pastor Derek? He's so great. Uh, he's at my church trying to get everybody saved. Um, so, uh, <laughs> and we're uh, doing a little exchange. And it was fun. We love coming. We love getting out of the humidity and uh, getting a little breath of fresh air. I'm going to spend some time tomorrow just relaxing around in the city. Um, but a, a, a couple of things. I asked, I asked Pastor Derek, I said, you know, I've got something on my mind um, that I've been, I've been kind of wrestling with, you know. This, this thought, and I, I had a, a, another thought, and I said, tell me what's, what, what you'd want. Tell me, you know, what, what are the, here's these two ideas. What do you, and he said, he goes, man, I, I don't know. I like the first one. So if it's really, if the message is good, you know, it's like, man, Pastor Derek, what discernment and spirituality he has. If it's bad, your pastor's got issues. So, um, but there's this thought that, I, that, that, that I'm watching in our culture. doesn't matter what part of the country we're in. But uh, the culture that there are people constantly defining God and, and telling us what God is like and what he would do, who he would love, who he won't love, who he'll give grace to, who he'll give power to. They're telling us who this God is, but they don't even know him. They, they're, they're saying, and I, and I say that in all the Brooklyn love I can muster up, all right? So, so they're, they're telling us, and I think sometimes it's just a good reminder. Reminder for those who have been allowing God to be the Lord of their life uh, for a while or, or just for a few minutes or a few days. But then for those of us who are still kind of not fully in, I mean, we may know God academically, but we don't know him in our heart. It's, a good, it's always good to remind us, remind ourselves who really is God? Who, who re what is God all about? What, what is his purpose? What is his, what, what is his DNA, his character? What is that? Because I don't want people telling me who God is and who he is not and what he will do and what he cannot do or what he has done. I don't know if he'll do it for you. He'll do it for Johnny, but not for you. I want to know myself. The best way to know who God is is to listen to his voice, which is his word to us today. So for a few moments with everyone watching online on the online campus and in Framingham, I want to I spend some time making sure that we have the correct uh, perspective, that we have the correct perspective of God and who he is and, uh, and how much he really does, how much he's our creator and how much he cares about us. There's sometimes these uh, uh, scriptures the, in the Bible that when you read them, they seem kind of cool. They seem like, oh, yeah, it was great. And then there's other ones that you read and you go, I don't know if you're like me. I'll read them and go, what in the world? What? And then I skip over it. <laughs> and I just kind of like, oh. And, you know, but, but there's sometimes you, you have to look past the, the initial layer and, and to really find out what God wants to say and, and who he is and what he wants to do. Uh, there's this story in the Bible about a city. The city's name is Jericho. And Elisha, the prophet, 
in the Old Testament we are. In the Old Testament, God spoke to select men and women to speak to the, the people of God. And now because of the Lord's death and resurrection, we all now have the ability to speak to God and him speak to us for our families and our own lives, right? Right. Well, there's this, there's this story, and Elisha comes to this city. The people that he's leading say, man, the city looks good, but it's got some funky history. Like, they're looking for a city to, 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 to camp in, to be in, to make their own. And, and Elisha, you know, he comes across it, but the people are like, oh, hold on, you don't, you don't understand what has happened here. And we're going to take a look for a little bit uh, about what God is saying then and today to get the right perspective of God. The story starts like this. The people of the city said to Elisha, Elisha the prophet, Lord, look our Lord, this town is well situated. It's good. It's nice. Look at it, man. It's awesome. Good place for us to be. Let's make it our own. It says, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad. It's got some bad, it's got some weirdness about it. The water is bad and the land is unproductive. Uh, out of nowhere, Elisha says this, it's just the whole story. This is this little story out of nowhere. Elisha says, bring me a new bowl. Bring me a new bowl, he said, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it saying, this is what the Lord says. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. Now Jericho's got some weird, this city that is, looks like it has so much potential, well situated. It, it looks like it has so much potential, it's unproductive, and the water has remained pure to this day because Elisha says, it's got a lot of potential, but it's got some things wrong with it. Bring me a new bowl. I'm, I'm Italian, so I'm thinking, bring me a pot of marinara. You know what I mean? Bring me some meat, some rajol, some, some sausage, some, right? I'm thinking, yeah, that's now. All of a sudden, the story makes sense to me. What a new bowl, a new bowl. Oh, and then he says, bring me a new bowl and bring me some salt. What? And then ready? That's it. That's the whole story. That's the whole thing. Well, to really understand, you got to understand the history of the city. Well, Jericho, it's got some weirdness with it. Uh, there was a man named Joshua who comes to conquer the city, and some of us may know this story. He gets an army of men with trumpets. They walk around the city several times. The walls fall down. It's this miracle of God. And then Joshua, see, see Jericho comes with a history. Jericho comes with um, this weirdness to it. It's, it's, it's kind of like it, it, the city has a, a little bit of like a, a mystical background. I mean, who walks around a city and the walls fall down? And it was like, and God gets all the credit. Praise God, it's wonderful. But there's something that Joshua, many, many years before what Jericho does. Joshua says about this city. He says this. At that time, Joshua pronounced a solemn oath, cursed. Cursed before the Lord is the one who undertakes to rebuild this city, Jericho. Oh, so maybe that's why many years later, 
the Jewish people are going, ah, it's well situated, but this city's got some issues. This city's got some problems. It's got a curse on it. Not just a curse, like we, a, a curse by someone prominent. I mean, it's Joshua. Joshua's got a lot of influence. Joshua's a Bible big shot. Joshua's done a lot of stuff. Joshua is Moses' assistant. A lot of influence, a lot of prestige. He curses the city after the walls fall down. He says, curse before the Lord is the one who undertakes to rebuild this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundation. And at the cost of his youngest, he will set up its gates. Anybody who tries to rebuild this? Anybody who tries to fix this? Anybody who tries to make this worth something again? You're cursed. Man, Joshua, try the decaf, right? I mean, it's just like, my goodness, that's harsh. I mean, it's like, wow, that's unbelievable. Yeah, what we say at the chapel a lot is, is just lean in a minute. <laughs> Joshua comes to a city and he curses it. And it's, just, it's, it's, it's no use no more. No one will use this anymore. There's no purpose here. This is over. No one is ever going to, it will never see its potential. It will never be used. It will never be an instrument or a tool of God. Cursed is anyone who tries to rebuild it. Well, of course. See, this is the mind of the Jewish people. See, we have the benefit of the story. Like we hear a story in the Bible, but we get to see the ending. Imagine being the Jewish people in the mindset Put on, put on the mindset, not knowing the end of the story. They show up to this city, Jericho. You know everybody's going, it's Jericho. It's Jericho. Stop. Don't do it. Jericho, bad. Yeah, but they don't know the end of the story. They're living, they're living in a world of um, what I like to say, blessings and curses. They're living in a, in a world of blessings and curses. Curse this, this city. It's tons of potential, by the way. Woo. But man, it's got some issues. Like it's spooky. It's, oh. We know it's going to be cursed. Anybody who tries to rebuild it, it's going to be cursed. And then lo and behold, because it's the word of the Lord, of course it comes true. In Ahab's time, Hiel of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of his fur. He lost his son when he tried to rebuild it. Abram, he lost his son. And he set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segub. Yeah. Oh, it's cursed, all right. Tons of potential, though. Many years later, the Israelites come up to it and they go, man, that's got a lot of, but hey, it's got some, the water's weird, it's got some things. It's, this guy tries to rebuild it in accordance with the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. Don't rebuild that. Don't touch it. It doesn't have a purpose anymore. It's not useful. It cannot be used. It's, not, it's, it's never going to be a tool to be used for the kingdom of God by God. Just leave it alone. Many years later, Elisha the prophet shows up looking for a place. <laughs> and everybody goes, no, 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 no. Not here. I mean, I know it's cool and all. It's got a ton of potential, but we, we can't stay here. See, see, the Israelite people, the Jewish people, they live in this uh, mindset of blessings and curses, right? They live, and they live in understanding blessing, God's blessing, God's curse, God's blessing, uh, God's curse. See, I think a lot of times culture and society try to tell us who God is when they've really near, they know him academically, but they don't know him experience-wise. And, and so depending on our upbringing, we think God, oh, Mark, 
what have you done today? If you do well, well, then I love you. But if not, it's not going to go well with you. Well, I wonder, I wonder why they get this mentality of blessing and cursing. In Ahab's time, Hile of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. He laid it at the foundations. We know that that happens, right? Blessing and cursing for the Jewish people. Here it is. This is the very beginning of the whole story. If you obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all of his commands, I give to you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings. You do well, you will be blessed. Hallelujah, brother. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord. Blessings and curses. Well, however... If you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all of these curses, curses, because the Israelites believe blessings and curses. That's why they come to a city regardless of the potential. They come to a city and go, no, it's Jericho. Ton of potential. But no. It's because this is the world of the Israelites. It's blessing and cursing. You do well, blessed. You do bad, uh, it's not going to go good for you. Suddenly, God sounds like my Italian father, right? <laughs> All of these curses will come on you and overtake you. Here it is. Ready? You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. He's not speaking to women. He's saying it's a metaphor saying anything that you put your hand to that you create will be cursed. Woo! Wow! And the crops of your land and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, you will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, rebuke in everything you put your hand to. What? Listen, the Lord will do this, right? This is what will happen. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease, with fever, inflammation, sub-below zero temperatures in New England. Sorry, I just had to put that. <laughs> with scorching heat and drought. He will blight you out and mildew, which will plague you until you perish. Right? Because the Jewish people live in this world of blessings and curses. They live in this world, so they come up to something that has potential, that could be rebuilt for God, that can be used for God. And Elisha goes, what? No, 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 no. Uh, you're going to be cursed. Ready? Here's the idea. It says this. The sky over your head will be bronze, and the ground beneath you iron. The Lord will turn the rain of your country into dust and powder. Woo! But this is the covenant of God between him and his people. The Jewish people believe blessings and cursings. But says this, but what will happen? And when you and your children return to the Lord. Now lean in. Don't miss it. And when you, it's not if you, it's when you. It's when you. Because God will always have more faith in who we are than we have in him. And when you, regardless of all these things that you're going to do, but it's when you, 
And your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul according to everything I command you today. Then the Lord God will restore. He will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again. No, 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 no. But it's God. God's mean. God's if you don't do this, you won't get this. No, but if you do, you've got to do it. It's performance based. You good, you in. You bad, you out. No, no, no. That's not God. That's not the covenant of God. God's not waiting with a Louisville slugger, right? Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's see what he does. Because I'm just, I'm just winding up. I'm just wait. Okay, he's good today. No problem. But I'm watching. Right. See, they live in this world of, of blessing and cursing. But they're forgetting that when you. See, because you and I were created for a relationship with God, regardless whether we take advantage or are involved in a relationship with God, we are created to be in a relationship with God. That's why the voice of God, his word, says, when you return. When you return. I'll give you, I'll give you everything back. It's good. It's good. I'm not going to go, nope, forget it. You made me mad. Nope, forget it. We'll wait. We'll wait until you attend Connect Community Church for six weeks in a row and given the legacy offering. Then I'll know. Then I'll start to love you. No. No. No, when you return. They live in just this world of blessings and curses. You know, it's like this mumbo jumbo, this, this mystical. They come to a city that's been cursed. <laughs> Regardless of the potential, they come to a city that's been cursed. And Elisha says this. Oh, there's a, cur- there's a curse. There's a curse here? <laughs> hey, bring me a new bowl. A new bowl. Bring me a new bowl and bring me some salt. Curses. Stop. Curses. Stop it. Bring me the new bowl. No, I don't want an old bowl. See, this one, when I read the scriptures, it's fascinating to me. Why not a bowl? Why not a cup? And, and why not a cup or a bowl? Why, why does that have to be a new bowl? And, and then if you could bring all things, could you bring some breadsticks? That'd be awesome, right? <laughs> no, bring salt. He says, bring salt. Right, bring me a new bowl. He comes into a city that was told over generations and generations. The city is not useful. The city cannot be used. The city has lost its purpose. The city has no value. The city is wasting away. And all of a sudden, Elisha goes, you're wrong. Let me show you who God is. Bring me a new bowl and bring me some salt. You see, the reason why he says new bowl." Is because in the original language in the Hebrew, the word bowl, new bowl, the word bowl is hadash. Hadash. And it means new mind, new thinking, new purpose. So he says what? You think this doesn't have purpose? You think this once was valuable but is no longer? You think this can't be used? You think it's lost what God can do in it and through it? Ha! Bring me a new bowl. Bring me a new bowl and I'm going to show you who God is. I'm going to show you what God can do. He says, bring me hadash. He said, hadash, bring me a hadash. It's new. No, because no matter what happens, I'll gather you again to me. 
It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what happens. He's going to do something new. He's going to do something new. You see, what you see is something that has been. What God sees is always something that could be. So here we go. Bring me a new bowl. He says, bring me a new bowl. Watch. Oh, and then salt? Season all your grain offerings with salt. Well, salt is like this. It represents things. He says, do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to all your offerings. See, when the Jewish people hear this, they say, new, oh, hadash, oh, new. It's something new. It's a new mindset. It's a new way. It's a new purpose. Ooh. But salt, they would have went, hey, he said the salt. Yeah, because salt, we hear it later in the New Testament to be used as a preservative, as something that brings out the flavor, and it's all true. But in the original use in the Bible, salt was a disinfectant. Salt disinfected things. Salt took things back to the way they were created to be. Salt not only preserved and brought out flavor, but originally salt was to cleanse. So all of a sudden, you think something doesn't have purpose anymore? You think something doesn't have this, this thing that God wants to do in it and through it? Bring me a hadash because there's going to be a new mind, a new thinking, a new purpose. And what you thought disqualified you, the salt will cleanse you. That's who God is. See, don't let, don't let culture shape, guide, and mold who God is. Let God show you who God is. And so all of a sudden what happens? Salt. Well, there's a whole bunch of different meanings. It's that depth that hadash. Bring me a hadash. No, 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 no. This place ain't dead. Here it is. He says salt covenant of your God. Watch this. He said covenant of your God. Well, covenant of God. You want to know what the covenant of God is? We read it, right? But it, it, it looks like this. That no matter, no matter how bad things have become, no matter how bad you or I have screwed things up, right? No matter how bad that is, no matter how bad things are, No matter how much we've lost our way, no matter what, no matter how many regrets you or I have accumulated, no matter how complicated our things get in our life, our relationships, our marriages, our finances, our friends, covenant of God, what happens? No matter how hard our heart becomes, covenant of God. No matter, no matter how many destructive choices we've made, covenant of God. If we're just honest, right? With an extra hour's sleep, right? <laughs> we've all made one destructive choice. At least one. Right, the covenant of God, no matter how hard, no matter how many destructive choices, right? You can always come home. You can always come home. That's, it's the covenant of God. It's the covenant of God. That no matter what happens, and when you and your family and your friends, when you come back and you turn back to, I will restore, I will, I will gather to you. Covenant of God. It's the covenant of God. It's the covenant, but you have to have salt because we love symbols, don't we? Don't we love symbols? That's why communion is so powerful. It's a symbol. We love things that when we see them, remind us of things. 
We, we love, we, we love symbols. He said, no, remember the salt. Remember what it does. Oh, you were thinking you didn't have usefulness. You were thinking God was done with you. You were thinking you didn't have any abilities. You were thinking that you weren't a candidate for God to use to work in you and through you. You, you thought that was it. No, why, why? Because you said something? Because you did something? Because you lived a certain life? Because you did something last week or said something yesterday? Yeah, I got to tell you something. Remember the salt. Because the salt cleanses and gives purpose again. What the salt does is disinfect because God is always saying hadash. He's always saying hadash. He's always saying, no, 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 no. Behold, I make all. Now all of a sudden all the scriptures, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Behold, I make all things new. For the new mercies are new every morning. Because the new, he's hadash. He's hadash. So, so what happens in scripture so what happens in scripture is this. It is an everlasting covenant. Of what? It's an everlasting process. Of being cleansed. It's an everlasting process. Of being made whole. It's an everlasting process. Of disinfecting. See when you and I do things wrong. It should not move us away from God. It should move us towards God, showing us, showing us that's just an area I need more of God. Because when you turn, I will gather you again to me. See, that's who God is. Don't you dare. I'm going to say this because I'll leave tomorrow. So you'll have to. Don't you dare let CNN or Fox News tell you who God is. Don't you dare do that. Don't you dare do that. Don't even let sometimes family tradition tell you who God is or not. There are great things about tradition, and then there are things about tradition that shade and block who God really is. You want to know who God is? Listen to his voice. It's his word. Everything has purpose in God's economy. Nothing is wasted. Not an experience or a life. He's hadash. He's He's hadash. Then he went out to the spring, Elijah. Elijah's a bad cat, ain't he? <laughs> Elijah went out to the spring and threw the salt in it, saying, This is what the Lord says. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained pure to this day. Pastor Q, all that mumbo-jumbo cursing and blessing. That's why, that's why the Bible's so confusing. Who believes in curses? Who believes in it? Come on. Curse the city? Come on. If you're Italian, I grew up in an Italian home, and uh, some of you might not know this, but my dad, every time I did something wrong, my dad would, would put a little, he would do this. It was like the curse of the Maloikia. You know what that is, the Maloikia? The horns. The horns. It was the devil's horns. I would do something, he'd go, Maloikia. And I'm like, ha. Ah. He's just like, ha. Ah. It was just constant, he just Maloikia. It's the horns. The horns hung from the mirror, right? From the mirror that he did my Lord. I was like, what? I never grew up thinking God was right here, but I did grow up thinking the devil was right there. And then later on, they do this sign, like the Christian sign, love you. Anytime these two fingers go up, I run. I was like, Maloike. we don't believe in that. Curses, blessing and curses. We don't, we don't do that. We don't. Really? Because the Bible's so out of date. Right? See, for Elisha, History does not decide, it only describes. For, for Elisha, 
History only describes what happens. History doesn't decide what will happen. Only God gets to do that. See, it's only God who decides. Oh, history? Yeah, history. Jericho's got this weird thing about it. It's got this weird history. It's got this weird so-and-so. But when we allow God to go hadash, throw a little salt in a bowl, all of a sudden history doesn't dictate the future. Well, I would argue, I would argue, your history describes what happened, not what will happen. Yeah, see, see, the mumbo-jumbo stuff isn't crazy after all. Don't we tell ourselves like this? Don't we say things like this to ourselves? I just can't get a break. I just can't get a break. This kind of thing always happens to me. Yeah, yeah I, like I expected anything else. Yeah, I, I think it's inevitable, of course. Just my luck. If I didn't have bad luck, I had no luck at all. Yeah, I think we tell ourselves these things. I think we tell ourselves these things no different than the Jewish people when they came up on Jericho and went, oh, it's got a ton of potential, but you just don't know. Just my luck. You just don't know it's inevitable. You, you, you don't know. I just can't get a break. Right? What about, what about this? Well, that's just how my family is. Hmm. Yeah, it's not mumbo-jumbo after all. I think, I think we forget it's God. Because he could have created the heavens and the earth and the seas and the birds and the fishes with the movement of his hand. But instead he used words. Instead he spoke life. Instead he said, let there be, 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 let there be. He could have just, and everything would have been created. But instead he used words. I just think the things that we say to ourselves like, that's just the way I am. You can't, when you say stuff like this to yourself, let's be clear what happens. You leave no room for hadash. This is the way it is. It's not because you're, it's not because you're a bad person. It's because that is the way God created us to be. You want to see something, you want to see something change, make room for it, but watch the words you say. Why? Why? Because it's Bible. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's Bible. This is Bible. Bible. This is what you say, say it. I'm never going to. Ah, it's never going to be that. We're never going to be that. It'll never be that. Man, you don't know the same God I know. It's being shaped. It's being shaped by something else. Your God? Oh, yeah, it's kind of the same similarity. But it ain't the God I know. <laughs> Elijah comes in. Hadash. He said, bring me some salt. What we think and say matters. Paul, later on, says we demolish. The word demolish, we see a construction, we see a buildings, but the word demolish in the original language means to crumple up in bits. It means to crumple up in bits. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought. To I used to think it was just bad thoughts. That's easy. I got one thing, a bad thought right now. I can't even tell you what it is. And we take captive, it's not, it's not bad thought, it's every thought. It's every thought. Take captive every thought to be, make it obedient to Christ. Listen to me. Listen to me. He's the God of the salt covenant. He's the God 
that will continually gather you to him so that he can cleanse, so that he can disinfect, so that hadash, there'll be a new mindset, there'll be a new purpose, there'll be something new that happens, and you will never ever have the thought that I am in a season of life or something I've said or something I've done that will disqualify me from being used by my creator. That's who God is. He says, he says, Hadash. He said, no, no. Curses. Nobody believes in those curses. Be careful what you say to yourself. Be careful what you say to others. Be careful what you allow other people to say to you. Yeah, yeah. Because unless they're describing what God is capable of, you better not get near me. It's important to me as a friend, um, a close friend, um, to your pastor, to make sure that you leave the house today knowing the correct perspective of God. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you to make sure no matter what you do, no matter what you say, where you go, what you've said or what you've done, turn and I will gather to you again I will bring you to me God says all the way back in the beginning Jesus says the same thing just come just come all you are heavy weary all you who had a life a yoke a life that is I just want to pray for you I want to pray for you because I want this day to be different for you because God's always doing something with everything always especially us ourselves our lives our hearts our families our wives our husbands our kids our church always bow your heads let me pray for you thank you Lord so much that we get to hear your voice through your word that Lord we get to come to you Lord where you will do new things you will give us a new mind and a new heart. That, Lord, we're never beyond your arms of love and grace. Those arms of strength and mercy. Those arms of wisdom. Lord, I want to pray for those even on our, line, on our online campus and in the Framingham campus, Lord. Where we're realizing I just, I have to allow God to give me a hadash. It's new. My history doesn't describe. It only describes, it doesn't decide. Only you, God, and I give that to you. I give you that permission right now. Right where we are sitting on the online campus and in Framingham, there might be just some of us that to this day, for whatever reason, doesn't matter, for whatever reason, we know God academically in our minds and but we actually don't really know him in our hearts. I want to pray for you. We don't really know him. He's not, he's not been allowed to bring the new bowl and some salt. Been kicking the tires a little bit. Well, today's your day. Today is a great day to give your heart to Christ. Not your mind, because we all know who Jesus is. But we're going to experience him now. We're going to place him in our hearts. If that's you, today's your day. Today's the best day. Why? Because then you can be water baptized this afternoon. Today's your day. I want to pray for you. 
It's a simple prayer of commitment. If that's you and you know him just in your head, but you don't know Jesus in your heart. It's a very simple prayer of commitment. I love when the church, if the church, I would love for you to say it with us because it's not, it is not God's intention for anyone to feel singled out or embarrassed. So if that's you this morning, I know I'm in my mind, Pastor, but I don't know. I actually started to believe that my history decided. Now I know that only God can do that. I'm going to put a little salt in my heart. If that's you, you repeat this prayer after me. Come on, church. Dear Heavenly Father, today I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. And today I make you Lord of my life. Today... I follow you more than I ever, ever before. Today, Lord, you're my Savior. You're my Christ. You're my God. You're my architect of my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've said that prayer, church family, let's hear it for them. Everyone online and in the Framingham campus. Come on, church. Hadash. Hadash. One more time. Hadash. I love you guys.